Welcome to another episode of Mandatory Redistribution Party. Today's app is on the subjects of assistance, accessibility and social norms. This episode was recorded pretty late on a weeknight in our hurry to stick to schedule after the corruption scandal alluded to in episode 38, the Waterworld Tapes. We were absolutely cane in tea and feeling quite a lot of manic energy, hence why I was unable to edit out the sound of me audibly drinking water at the opening seconds, as Jack made any edit that did not contain that noise incomprehensible. If you'd like to support our endeavours and keep us stocked up on tea during the troubles ahead, you can check out our Patreon, which will be linked to in the episode description below. Okay, let's get to it. Listen out for the gulp. I could just, I could really hear that swallowed liquid. (laughs) It's the throat you want to get. Yeah, Sean's wet pipe. (laughs) You're talking like you got a dry pipe. (laughs) (laughs) If you had a dry pipe, you would know about it. Arid pipe. Oh, man. Um, How much help do you think you've had today? How much help do you have? How assisted has your life been? Well, if you want to talk in like any service that I use or the fact that my life's involved the internet, yeah, like everything I do is held up by in, invisible people that often I'm not even like allowed to see. Yeah. Or like the whole internet is like, held who are you allowed by. to see? Huh? Who, who's, who's hidden? IT people, I guess. I can't see who from them. IT? When I'm, who? Huh? What? Neil who's... from IT's under a coat. I've not given Neil any permission. Who's Neil? Huh? My dad's called Neil. He's the one that when you write into like WhatsApp, yeah. It goes straight to Neil. Oh, what? I thought it was encrypted. And then Neil reads it. He encrypts it? No, because it's encrypted. Then Neil is in a room where he doesn't understand. He just comes out as symbols to Neil. Comes out as wingdings, right? Right. Neil just passes the wingdings onto whoever that message is for. Okay. And then it gets unwingdinged on the way. So Neil doesn't have a clue what's going on. But he's the one who passes it on. Yeah. He puts so it from one pipe into the other. Dry pipe to wet pipe. Yeah. You've made it so we've got to include yeah. wet pipe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll call back to this. Yeah. Chat, chat before the episode. A great callback. <laughs> Guys, this is the content we're recording after all our um, all our hours of content got deleted. And we're doing like an all-nighter. Um, so this might be manic. But yeah, other than Neil, what who's assisted you? So let's start at um I love how even start, when you're okay, starting the new the, one, the, the, you're making a days, break point the, that includes the Neil. Day, yeah. So we've got to include Neil, do, which means we've got to include me drinking the water. I'm I'm really sorry. <laughs> part of me might be doing it intentionally, but not a conscious part of me. Is that possible? 
You've gone for more water. You've gone, you've gone for more liquid. Yeah, I, I drink constantly during these recordings. Right. Normally, it's not commented upon. No, it's, it's the mania. It's the mania. Oh, this is the tea it's hitting me. It's a cup me. of tea. Right. It's one cup of tea. <laughs> Absolute lightweight. <laughs> <laughs> is this Yorkshire? Is it cut with Yorkshire? It's Yorkshire. It's Shit. pure. I'm going fucking, I'm hog wild. I'm a hog on tea. You wake up. When? What time do you wake up today? Today, I wake up around nine. Alarm or natural? Uh, Natural. No help there. I get help by my neighbours who start making noise. Oh, and I get helped by the birds. Yeah. And, and then the you shout, do, you, <laughs> do you shout thank you at them? No, I don't. I think the only person that, I help, that I'm helped by that I thank is the bus driver. And um, people who give me food. I thank bus drivers. There's only like a narrow slither of people that you get an opportunity to thank. Till workers say thank you, which yeah, is a yeah. weird thing. But it's, then it's a mutual thank. They'll say thank. thank oh, sometimes thank I double down. I, I thank and then I go into a cheers. Cheers, cheers. by Maybe a tar. Sometimes I'm a tar. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like... The way I say tar comes off wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and then um, you don't want to, like, a thank you very much. Yeah. I once um, was so friendly to a man in a Sainsbury's that he sold me a short story that he kept under the till. He sold you uh, what? Like a, a pack of short stories. A pack? You mean mm-hmm. a book? What do you mean a um, pack? No, <laughs> How's that assembled? Um, he'd, made, a he'd made like a series of like 12 stories, Christmas stories, I think. But what are they, loose in a box? Or I think he makes new packet? ones. I got the impression he makes new ones every month. And he'd made them. They weren't loose. They were in a pack. Um, What's a pack? How can I, I explain like cards, this? Like, you, like Pokemon cards. He'd, he'd, each short story was printed on A4 paper. Yeah. And it's in like a um, plastic wallet. Okay, yeah, right, Polly Pocket. But Polly, oh. Yeah, yeah, that, that before? Po- I am aware of the Polly Pocket. It's like a clasp oyster design, yeah. and within is an abode for a tiny lady. Yes. Polly Pocket. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I always was confused by this when I was introduced sorry, to Polly and Pocket, the plastic wallet. And that's a plastic wallet? Mm. Same company. What? No. Polly Pocket, for whatever reason. That's like the diagram where Pepsi owned Pizza and KFC. Polly Pocket may have been a, just a word for a plastic wallet. Right. That has no relationship. Yeah. Or if there is a relationship, then maybe the plastic wallet idiomatic name Polly Pocket right. came first. Okay. He's put each story in a Polly Pocket. You can call it. A he's not crunched wallet. it up into yeah. the abode of a tiny plastic lady, but he has. He's contained it in there. On the front of each one, he's got the story title, and in the top corner and one bottom corner. He's got like a little design and he's printed that one in colour, but inside it's blush black and white because mm-hmm. it's just text. So he's not yeah. wasted money. It's not like cover art. It's like clip, like clip art. He's done yeah, that. Yeah. I think that flourish still goes a long way. I mean, it's saying a lot that I've talked about the container and aesthetics of these short stories and none of the actual characters or narrative. Well, what is what were the stories like? Gone, mate. Can't remember. Did read them. Yeah, I'd read them. Of course you... Yeah, if, yeah. If a, someone serving me at Sainsbury's gave me a short story, firstly, I'm going to tell people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, is yeah. my small talk for the week. Yeah. And then I have to read it because they can't say... Did you know this weird thing happened? Someone at Sainsbury's gave me this short story and they're like, oh, did you read it? No, I burnt it. It's gone. <laughs> You've got to have read it to, to substantiate your tale. Mine was destroyed in my flat. I had it as an artifact, but it was destroyed in my flat, flooded with liquid shit. But that's a whole other thing. Anyway, I was very thankful to this man. Mm-hmm. And then I, I got, it wasn't a very busy time in the Sainsbury's and got embroiled in a conversation. The yeah. kind, kind old man that works on the till in Sainsbury's 
And then he was like, oh, what was it? Somehow we got into, I've written some short stories. Would you like to buy one? And I think half the money went to charity or all the money went to charity or something. That's great. I once was running a gig and I was just talking to the security guard mm. who was this really old man, like a really old How guy old? doing security. Ancient? I'm, he's Gandalf? Def, like comfortably over 60. Yeah. Could well be 70. Whoa. And you're thinking, okay, so you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you are what lies between us and pandemonium. <laughs> And I was just talking to him and he was just sort of telling me about his life and he had been sent to Afghanistan or somewhere like Who that. Who sent him there? Why? Who's part of the army. And he just pulls out his wallet and he takes out like he's got this Polly little pocket? compartment. What kind of wallet? Uh, just an old man's leather wallet. The wallet is nondescript. Old man's his. He pulls out his own wallet. Yeah. And within it, he takes out this note and it looks like a dollar bill. Money. On it is Osama Bin Laden's face. <laughs> and he shows me this piece of currency with Osama yeah. Bin Laden's face on it. Yeah. And he goes, look, I've got one of these. And I go, are you meant to have that? And he goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> he stole that from somewhere. I don't think it's even ever been... Re- I've like I've looked it up, and there's no reports that it was ever an Osama Bin Laden currency. So either, like, that's all bullshit. Yeah. He's made it. He's made or it. Or it's just something that, no, I mean, I, I'm sure there's loads of things that they found and was true about elements relating to Osama Bin Laden. <laughs> Osama Bin Laden that had not... a currency with his own face on it. Yeah. There's loads of people like that who were like cartoon megalomaniacs. Megalomo. Megalon. Hello? Megalomaniac. Megalomaniac. You have to say it real fast. You have to you say slow it, it down, you're going to have problems. Yeah, megalomaniac. Megalomaniac. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Megalomaniac. Megalomaniac. Stop. Don't lure me into this. I'm not coming off well. But do you know that Saddam Hussein, do you know about the art in Saddam Hussein's house? So Saddam Hussein's art in his house mm. was... Um, Didn't he have Shrek? Well, all I know of is he had art that was um, fantasy book cover, mm. semi-pornographic art, which was of like Conan the Barbarian style men yeah. and like bosomy topless women and dragons. And that was on every wall, yeah, like in, in massive gold frames in every place. And so just off the back of that, I'm like, maybe someone like Bin Laden would just put their face on a currency. Like if people are... I just think tyranny allows people to just go a bit... Bin Laden books. Nuts. So you've, you've got up. Yeah. What happens next? I did admin up yeah. until around midday when I had a lunch meeting. Mm. I came home and then I started writing a script for something. Then mm. I had lunch and then I met you. Where, and where do you think help hit you? I mean, you can extract anything to being... Any product I've used. I, my, I didn't make my own bed. I'm. Yeah. I mean... So bed... Okay. You're in the bed. Someone else I has made that. I don't know who's manufactured the bed. Oh, it was a furnished, rented. Right, but how many elements are in the bed? There's the slats, there's the bedding, there's the mattress protector. What are the slats made out of? Wood. So where's that come from? Well, it could be like some kind of MDF or something. I. I but that's different types. It's still wood. A tree. It's just yeah, mold. So, yeah. So trees. And then someone would have planted the tree. Yeah. And then someone would have had to give birth to them. And then goes right back to the Garden of Eden. Well, yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> right back to the Garden of Eden. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you guys talk about the snake. The, the, yeah, I've been helped by the snake because without the free will, I never would have had these nice Well, slats. let's go. Let's limit ourselves to like... Um, <laughs> Reality. Yeah. <laughs> let's like put a slight limit on it. So, 
Someone nourished, someone planted and nourished the trees and then harvested. I don't know if they nourished the trees. But yeah, the seed went in the ground. Yeah. What else has happened to it? Chop it. Chop chop it. And then? Then it would have been treated. No, cut. (laughs) Cut first. Oh, it's such a nice piece of wood. (laughs) Is it Twix? No, I mean, the wood wood has to be lacquered. Oh, why the fuck? Why did I? Oh, I thought you were doing a joke. No, no, genuine, it like, genuine yeah, like the, the wood would have been taken out for ice cream. <laughs> no, the, the um, wood has to be cut into the correct shapes. Yeah, and then there's a variety of treatments that go into wood to stop them like splintering yeah. to ensure that they actually maintain their shape over time. Yeah, I'm sure there's all kinds of, I think lacquer, but maybe that's like a real old fashioned way of treating wood. Yeah, then I guess it needs to be packaged, distributed, even marketed. Someone made and the package. Someone needs to be doing B to B to be like get mm. our wood in these beds when you ship them off to Sean's house. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's just the slats, and then the uh, metal that would have come out of the ground in the form of pig iron. <laughs> <laughs> then it would have been smelted. <laughs> then someone needs to get rid of the slag. <laughs> <laughs> And then from those uh, raw ores, there'll be some kind of iron, and then that yeah. would have to be moulded in some way yeah. into the shapes necessary to construct the bed frame. Again, we're going to have the B to B. We're going to have administration regarding the metals. And, of course, before the metals can be shifted, there needs to be some kind of storage, some warehousing. Yeah, 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 then there yeah, needs yeah, to be yeah, 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 probably yeah. an outsourced delivery company. They're not going to be an in-house bed frame yeah, I mean, delivery company. The size it's going to be Hermes, etc. Uh, and then they come here. Mattress. Yeah, I mean. Same again. Yeah, is this what you want? Let's, let's keep going. <laughs> what else is happening? What else is kicking off? Pillows. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got cotton. <laughs> let's move on from manufacturing. <laughs> let's move on from manufacturing. Yeah. All right. Uh, We'd always talk about the service economy. I went to my computer using the internet lines. That requires a lot of servers, also requires a lot of maintenance staff. Every website I go on is going to have a massive back end containing a huge human element, a lot of things that we take for granted that we think may be mechanized or automated. A lot of people manually do. You know, when you want to send something to Spotify, someone has to just read the email. Like like, The amount of things in this day and age where Mm. it's still human done, the internet wants to tell you that it's just a box full of ants and the ants kind of get on with it. But a lot of those ants are actually people who have to pretend to be computers yeah 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 so the amount of help behind the internet is absolutely bizarre do you eat anything yeah i'm having rice month oh yeah yeah what, so what i'm doing, having like cracking down i'm having like kind of a, a, a breakfast fried rice mm. um, yeah that's good so i mean the food i mean we, a food comes from kind of a similar agricultural mm-hmm. horticultural same thing yeah it's Nurture. the manufacturing it's thing the wood plus, all over yeah, yeah, yeah 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 then i went outdoors and I benefited from uh, pavement. Not so, just falling. You go on your door and you fall yeah. forever. Yeah, if that floor wasn't there, I would have gone miles. You benefited from the existence of the planet. Mm, that helped a lot. <laughs> and let's, let's not go that abstract. I feel like we've already gone quite abstract. Then I had some lunch at the Students' Union because mm. it's cheap and actually yeah. not often that full. Yeah. So having a student's union nearby where you can eat, actually. That's pretty good. But someone made the food, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, someone cooked the food. And someone took the order. Yeah. And then someone took the food from who made it and put it in front of me. Did and you drink that, anything? And any then when things? they took it away, they were the only person today that I thanked. They were there. You could say thank you. Yeah, they you were present. It was difficult for you to thank even if I bed plank in. fellow. Well, even one less step f- further away than that, if I walked into the kitchen to thank the chef, chef would say, whoa, well, yeah, what the <laughs> fuck is this? You're not even here. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, see, because it's weird, isn't it? To the, yeah. uh, that, that, that would be a strange thing to do, yeah. to go and thank someone I've come to who thank has the made chef. you food. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, there is like, I don't think people actually do it these days, but compliments to the chef where you, you tell the serving staff to be an, an envoy for your gratitude. I always feel like that would be interpreted as a sarky thing. feels like you're playing pretend like you're in a French restaurant. Yeah. Like if you thank the chef at KFC, oh, compliments to the chef, people are like, are you having a go? Like, are you, yeah. are you angry? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But that feels like you're actually saying you didn't enjoy your meal. <laughs> Did you drink any liquid? The only thing, famously, you can drink at the, at, well, at any, out, in the day. So like, I, I recently finished my multivitamin, so I'm having Barocca in the morning. Yeah. Barocca and a tea. Yeah. That's my morning. And where's the, what's gone in there, both of them? Water. Yeah, and where's yeah. that come from? Yorkshire water, which I think mm. comes out from Buxton. So we get a good water supply here. And that's all coming through pipes and everything. That mm. Much like you were talking about the internet, there's yeah. loads of people working on it, but you can't see it. And obviously there's the pipes that go the other way. Poop pipes. Poop, poop pipes. <laughs> but again, that's magicked away. You can't yeah, see any of vanished. the people dealing with that. Yeah. Like you, if you're, if there was just a room where your sewage piled up and up. All of us are kind of living in the Truman Show. <laughs> right because he yeah. has no idea that everyone's like micromanaging his life so it all works yeah well we're all actually a little bit like that and we have no idea even if someone tells you i can't hold that in my head and i'll sort of go back to just only thanking the bus driver and serving staff bin when and this big one they're concealing a massive infrastructure of dealing with waste so one thing i find interesting so so in vienna mm. it is actually not the norm for your serving staff to be like super friendly to you or for you to be that friendly to the staff. Mm. And I found that kind of it. And I just thought it was like, Austria is quite conservative and mm, it's just a mm. conservative part of it. And maybe it's like, what's going on here is a bit gross. Mm. But I've had it like explained to me the rationale within it of like, that idea of serving staff coming and being like mega friendly with you mm. is kind of like an Americanized, like have a nice day kind of culture. Mm -hmm. It's like, do you know the beginning of office space? Yeah, yeah. Where yeah, like yeah, they've yeah, got to put yeah, flair in yeah, and show their personality. That you can think of a different way where we don't want to disguise what's going on here. I've been paid to do this thing and you're coming here to buy this thing off me. We're not friends and let's not pretend that, you know, we're perfectly civil. We're not going to be like rude. Although actually from my experience yeah. of like... But it's like a refusal to do the emotional labour. Refusal to do it, but also a refusal to disguise the social relations that are actually on play. Yeah. It is a lot of emotional labour to be incredibly friendly towards everyone that you have to interact with when you're in a customer-facing role. I have done those roles, and they are hard. But that's what that's hell. where the term emotional labour came from. Like, yeah, you right. Know, feminist critique of like air hostess, jobs mm. women were tending to do, and how it was like appropriated by capital like well i had an assumption <clears throat> it meant like you know talking pre-world war two like mm. women uh not existing in the workplace mm. and then men are all kind of fucked up and have no good emotional intelligence that actually <laughs> a lot of the woman's role is just keeping this worker on their feet that's possible. defined as reproductive labor but yeah like emotional labor is its definition has evolved yeah. away from this but Arlie Hotschild mm -hmm. uh, talking about just the process of managing your emotions in a job to mm. keep that workplace functioning in order to produce capital. Yeah. But now it's come to mean listening to your friend's problems. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I, I know the thing you mean where it's like, it's sort of problematized actually what is like good, nice behavior of being compassionate and empathetic to your friends and, and treating it like that's one of the problems of capitalism, mm. which is uh, strange. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and undesirable the help we receive in or everything we do in our mm -hmm. existence is concealed not just by physical things like 
the you know the internet and the water and the waste being taken away yeah but it's concealed by transactions say say you need something but it's like a simple thing that you could probably just go ask your neighbor for Mm-hmm. you're probably not going to do that. You're probably going to like order it online. Do you know there's like a trope of going around and asking if I can borrow some sugar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know where that trope's come well, from, but, but it must have been a time where people did that. But yeah, it must have been a thing. But, yeah. but, but, and that's like a community. I mean, it's like, that's like a 1950s idealized community thing. But like, yeah. if you, if you go and ask for sugar, then that, you're opening a door to like, we're in a community thing. Maybe yeah. I can do stuff for you and you can do stuff for me. And that's, mm. we're not exchanging any money. And it's a different thing. Whereas a transaction is just like, psh, it cuts any of that out. Mm. You don't have to have that relationship. You don't have to owe anyone anything. You don't have to have any sense of obligation of reciprocating or being kind back to someone because they helped you out. Yeah. That's the instinctive, partly because of like, you know, a generation of like fucking anxiety addled people who can't answer their phones. You go for the, the commodity solution first, right? Yeah. And commodity solutions never give you an opportunity to build up a relationship with your helper. I'm talking about two things here. I'm obviously talking about, you know, the bullshit notion of the self-made person, mm-hmm. of, you know, hyper-individualism of I can just work my way up and do everything myself and mm-hmm. everything I've got is due to my own genius. It's like, no, that's bullshit. We're... But the other thing I saw this got me thinking about this was some disabled activism where they, they talk about like the concept of being assisted Mm-hmm. how able people are assisted constantly all the time yeah, in almost anything they do but then there's just this one little thing where you like go into a comedy club and it has like lights and electricity that's being piped in yeah. and the drink that you know the alcohol people are buying has been bought by trucks that's that's been assisted but our oh, ramp that's oh God, sorry mate we've got to worry about the overheads yeah but so that, everything that able-bodied people need is not socialized as assistance it's socialized yeah, if, as this is what you're entitled to yeah. as a member of society yeah, yeah, yeah. but a ramp geez i mean we could what just for you oh boy that sounds hard yeah, yeah right and it's not yeah. it's not like an anti-capitalist it, it links to capitalism obviously mm. but it's like a disability activism thing the idea of like just how assisted everyone is in almost yeah. from when you wake up is mind-blowing yeah and when when you see assistance for like accessibility yeah, it's fucking, it's fucking nothing. Yeah, compared to what we all get and take absolutely for granted. Yeah. Yeah, across all realms of our life. For most people, their whole life is assisted. Every moment of convenience, a product of vast quantities of unseen labour, a million cogs whirling at once, an army of unseen mechanical springs and dials, just to coil back a piece of metal and dollop a packet of ready-salted McCoys into your sticky digits. The gap between what counts as the normal running of society and what counts as super special access needs revolves around and is justified by the concept of disability. Sad, poorly people who need our sympathy and, if it isn't too expensive, maybe, um, maybe a ramp? Sorry, I've just looked into it and uh, we can't afford a ramp, so maybe I could, um, do you want me to carry you? Okay, um, um, I could, I could Skype you onto my phone and then I could sort of carry you around that way. Um, I appreciate this is a polling station and that might cause some difficulties vis-a-vis the secret ballot, um, Maybe I, well, maybe I could video call you when I'm in the booth and then I could connect you to a live stream of my hand. Then I'll shut my eyes and you can sort of give commands like up, diagonally down, ETC. And that can ensure I put a cross 
in the correct box without ever learning who you voted for. Okay, I've just checked with the staff and it turns out that that is illegal. Never mind. To ask the question, what is disability? I'm going to turn to the book The Minority Body by Elizabeth Barnes, who does a great job of showing how muddled and illusory the category of disabled people actually is. How is deafness considered the same thing as spinal cord injury, is the same thing as multiple sclerosis, is the same thing as schizophrenia? With such disparity, lots of definitions of disability leave a lot to be desired. To deal with this, many try not to reference the body at all, but instead focus on welfare. Disabilities are things that make your life worse. And while there's lots of things that's true of that aren't considered disabilities, poverty makes your life worse. Being generally kind of angry or rude makes your life worse. Living in a hole makes your life worse. Having a fear of doors makes your life worse. So maybe we've got to focus on bodies. Maybe it's about having a body that's a departure from the norm, an abnormal bod. But then again, there are examples of people who have abnormal bodies that you wouldn't usually consider disabled. The Olympic swimmer Michael Phelps has hypermobile joints, an arm span three inches longer than his height, weirdly large feet, and muscles that produce way less lactic acid compared to most people. Is he disabled? He's the most decorated Olympian of all time. Okay, so um, maybe it's about function. Disabled bodies just don't function very well. Right, so, um, well first, what is the function of a body? Is it to reproduce? Is that the evolutionary function of a body? Then I guess being asexual is a disability, or being gay, or looking a bit asymmetrical? Are these disabilities? Okay, alright, so it's not that. So what about disability is to lack ability, or to lack an ability? Then again, we run into difficulties. What about people who can't roll their tongue? What about people who are too short to reach the high shelves? Being a black American under Jim Crow meant you couldn't do all kinds of things as a direct result of your skin pigmentation. Is that a disability? It might sound like some of the examples I'm giving sound a bit flippant, because after all, when many of us hear the word disabled, we're not thinking of all these outlier cases. We mainly are going to be conjuring up a vision of someone in a wheelchair who can't go into a building because there are steps. That's like the imprinted archetype of disability. Thing is, that scenario also rests on there being a lack of a ramp. In as much as, if there was a ramp, is that person even disabled anymore? And is disability such a good description of the people themselves if whether or not you are disabled can rest entirely on the architecture of a place you've not even visited yet? Ultimately, disability is socially constructed. The construction of disability is a framework that arrives after the fact and allows us to justify and explain why certain people aren't provided for and why certain people are. While not identical, this mechanism for justifying people being treated differently isn't too dissimilar to how victims of racism have to be racialized and victims of patriarchy have to be gendered. We need to create a rationale to justify why certain people are being treated differently. Whether or not you are disabled revolves around whether or not society accommodates and assists you. The title of Elizabeth Barnes' book comes from her reframing away from people having bad or misfunctioning bodies, but minority bodies, bodies that don't occur enough in society to be catered for. Whereas if they were the norm, they would be catered for and people with those kinds of bodies would no longer be considered disabled. So what if, for example, something came along that very neatly highlighted all of these double standards? such as, I don't know, off the top of my head, and I'm just spitballing here, a global pandemic. What if a global pandemic suddenly meant that a lot of us had to stay at home, work at home, 
take extra special care with all elements of our health. People who can't work in shared spaces or get into work have been told for years that working from home just isn't possible in these jobs. They've been told to live on statutory sick pay and disability allowance. But now that a majority of people need to start working from home because of the coronavirus, we're suddenly discovering that those accommodations can be made. We're discovering that the level of income people get on statutory sick pay is now suddenly completely unacceptable and not enough to live on. But these are the conditions and level of income that many disabled people have had to live with for years. They were acceptable then, weren't they? Once the conditions of the minority becomes the conditions of the majority, the inequality perpetuated and justified by the idea of disability is revealed as the hypocrisy it always was. What's the most right-wing thing that you enjoy? <laughs> <laughs> at uni, I smashed through all of 24 that was out when I was at uni, which wasn't as much as it probably is now. It's probably done, it's probably done a full two weeks or something, Jack Bauer. I don't know, actually. I think it was just like one of the bingeable shows that existed mm -hmm. that I could very easily torrent. I feel like there's and, just a few and, watch when you're a teenager. Like. And purchase legally. Beforehand. You're allowed Beforehand. To, you're allowed to torrent if you already had a, a legit copy. That's apparently... By torrent, I also meant... Um, LimeWire. Uh, torrent is the old word for binge. Yeah. It came through like... A, it was torrential. It was torrential into yeah. my consuming holes. Yeah, I sluiced it. <laughs> <laughs> is that it? That's the only thing you've allowed into your life? Uh, I think... It's, no, you said most right oh, wing yeah. thing I've enjoyed. God, that's like nothing. Let me think. No, like no, no, the, no. Let like me. That's my need. No, are, are we going broad like anything is Tory? <laughs> anything you can point out and say is Tory. Yeah. Um, I'll point at anything and say it's Tory. Scones. Yeah, that's fair. I actually like scones. Tea. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, I sort of think as tea is a working class enough oh, culturally um, to make I'm it. really sort of cars. Grew up on yeah. farms. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Video games. Video. Most video games are Tory. Mm. Um, Worse than Tory. <laughs> uh, fascist all video games are fascist um heterosexual sex yeah that was yeah. i was going straight to heterosexual sex that's pretty tory um i'm a big fan of um, but i imagine tory sex to be just like silent silent eye contactless missionary yeah i'm imagining that just did people staring at different like middle distance points yeah of like a large but empty bedroom <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah just staring at their own individual dust moats Oof. as everything's completely silent except for some very old very expensive bed springs oh crikey <laughs> yeah that yeah biscuits are biscuits tory a lot of them are tory i a reckon mcvitie's a tory McVitie's pink wafer bit tory uh I'll tell you what's not, Tori. The, the party, sad the now. party disc, rings. party ring. Yeah, party yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very tired. Um, <laughs> well, it is a disc until it's had a fucking rip. Yeah, yeah, whole boat, didn't it? Um, yeah. Polo, do you want a mint disc? Kettle crisps. Yeah, that's I don't even enough. like them and that much, but I've had them. They're the Tory. To intentionally be Tory. They're Tory as fuck. I realise that this game's actually kind of dumb, given that. Everything we're talking about is the hegemonic ideology of a massive empire that shapes the culture of the country we live in. So actually, <laughs> it's far easier to scrabble in the dirt and think of the two or three things that are demonstrably left-wing that we enjoy, rather than be like, you know, I'm looking around my room and I'm like, books, that's probably Tory, that shirt. 
Yeah, what else? Let's have a look around here. I mean, I've got an electric piano. Key, yeah, electric piano. That is Tory as fuck. Chopsticks. Chopsticks can be quite Tory. Chopsticks aren't Tory. Chopsticks. Chopsticks, I immediately regard as Tory. Chopsticks? Yeah. Why? They look like luxury chopsticks. I got them for free because someone was moving house, so I took their chopsticks. All right, untoried. They're just nice. I think they maybe became Tory'd when I got them for free. <laughs> chopsticks can't be. I feel that's the biggest stretch to be like, chopsticks are Tory. <laughs> Guitar isn't Tory. Guitar. No. I mean, it depends, but I suppose it's a tool. But I don't know. I don't know if it's neutral. Did you know that um, historically, when the guitar came out in Italy, a lot of piano makers gave guitars to peasants for them to busk and beg with to create the association between cheap stringed instruments yeah. and beggars to maintain the price of pianos as a luxury top-class instrument because they thought the bottom was going to mm. fall out if this easier-to-produce mm. stringed instrument yeah, started yeah, yeah, getting yeah, popular. Yeah. And that has lasted to the current day where we think of pianos as this high-level like luxury instrument. Well, it's more expensive, yeah. Yeah, sure, but the bottom could have fallen out of it. People are like, I'll just get a guitar because it's cheaper and it also sounds yeah, nice. Yeah, and you got the same, like, got loads of notes. Yeah, so it's like a really underhand way of keeping oh, pianos in the economy. Once you know how to make stringed instruments that are not as cumbersome as the piano, you would imagine they'd like fall off. I with, still with think, the I still think some guitars. I think there's some. Just thinking of Tory guitarists, acoustic guitars again. Yeah, you know, I, the thought of. You know, Neil Young's instrument or whatever yeah. being Tory is making me sad, but maybe it is. Everything's a bit Tory. Everything's a bit Tory. Mm. It's very easy to point at things and say Tory. Moments ago, I did it to chopsticks. Still, <laughs> chopsticks, you've not convinced me of. Okay. In my head, the only non Tory eating utensil is your bare hands. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> Even for soup. Okay, so we are going anarcho- anarcho-primitivism yeah. will bust there. But I feel like it can make the case for anything. That's, that's the problem. <laughs> Loincloth, socialist. Yeah. <laughs> Sw- getting around by swinging from a vine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. socialist. Um, I was going to say bongos. I was going to say from grubs, socialist. I was going to say bongos, socialist, but nah, no. No, bongos. Yeah. Bongos got in, associated in with uh, Exotica. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In the American 50s. So not only sort of American imperialist and racist. I'm trying to specifically think of the most right-wing thing I've enjoyed. Not arbitrary. We've gone down the fucking dead end of uh-huh. pointing at stuff and going, that's Tory, which I think we could be a fucking infinite episode yeah. that's like a sort of weird William Shatner spoken word album. Mm-hmm. Um, But let's try and think rather than the infinite... I That's went, Tory. I went to and enjoyed a folk festival in a market town. Yeah. I and mean, I bet people had guitars there. Folk festival. People had guitars. And not only that, they had these really old... I don't know what it was. And I guess I haven't looked it up. But they had these like Wicker Man type things going on where everyone looked... There were people that were sort of dressed like Papa Lazarou meets like yes, the um, Green Man. The, the white guy, top hat, bad dreadlocks. That mm. That outfit... No, it was like someone's doing this because they believe people have been doing it for a hundred years. They didn't uh, okay. look yeah, they yeah, didn't yeah. look like a dready burning man kind of guy. They looked like a prim and proper I'm from a boring market town, but this is this thing that we do and mm. and it's my job to preserve the, the thing that we do. Market towns are Tory. They had a massive mural of sheep. Oh, but that actually that was the folk festival where I met Tony Benn. 
I mean, yeah, and, well, and, that's and, been, yeah, well, that's just been completely denatured. And Tony Benn told me to vote for the Conservative Party at that. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that Tony what? Benn told me to vote for it? No. <laughs> Why isn't this? What the fuck? Junk. Everything that's come before this. To- what? Yeah. So um, he told me to vote for David Davis in a by-election. Like, oh, a tactical vote. Yeah. Oh, I was really hoping. But he still told me. I was really hoping. I was 18, first vote. And I'm coming into it being like, okay, Hmm. I understand politics. I've got a working knowledge of politics. Yeah. I know how it all works. Okay, Tony Tony Ben, I heard him. (laughs) And he says, vote Tory. And I'm like, I actually don't know anything. Yeah. (laughs) I actually am completely clueless. Yeah, fair dues. Oh, oh, electoralism. Oh, Tony. I mean, yeah, yeah, tactical. Fuck me. Well, it was against Blair that had um, uh, extended the how long you can detain people without Oh, that, charge. yeah, yeah, yeah. 2005 so it was a tactical vote where David Davis was on a safe seat. He was obviously angling to become mm. um, leader of the Conservative Party, wanted to do this to show how popular he was in his own seat. So we took a popular issue that, and Labour hadn't won in this, like, this was when I was living in a little village. Labour didn't have a chance. So it all kind of did make sense, but it was really, really bizarre. And also, that that was such a media circus, mm. that by-election, that there were more candidates that ran in that by-election mm. than have ever ran in a single uh, uh, seat in British history. Shit, so much people losing so, their deposit. Where does the deposit go if you lose that? Is it 15 grand or is it 1,500? I think it's 1,000. I'm not sure. It's got to be 1,000. It's not 15 grand. 1,500. The raving loony party stood and another loony party that's like splintered. <laughs> I don't know if you know about the splitters. Sorry, um, there's loony party splitters? I think there's another loony-ish party. Yeah, and this is pre- Are they loonier or less loony? Or more monster? I think they are less loony. Yeah. And there was the moderates. The, um, <laughs> moderates. Moderate loonies. Less loony. Do you know what? Moderate Looney party would have had a chance back in this, but they went too loony. Yeah, we're trying yeah, to get yeah, back yeah. to the traditional no, loony. We're values. trying to get back. I'm listen, I'm the real loony listen, party. I'm not in it. I'm an independent. A monster raving. UK. A monster raving and migrant skeptic. Yeah. <laughs> the 2008 Howden and Holton Price by-election was bonkers. I was living in a village in East Yorkshire. But in the week before the election, we had TV crews stopping by, bike planes flying campaign slogans overhead. I had to ask the attendant of the polling station how I'm actually supposed to get my ballot paper through the slot in the box. So who was running? Let's take it from the top. David Davis from the Conservative Party rocking in with 72% of the vote. Next to that, the Greens with 74 Labour did not stand a candidate despite being in power, and the BNP and UKIP did not want to contest Davis. That means that everyone else just crawled out of the woodwork. Greens won second place despite hot contention from the English Democrats, a lesser-known far-right nationalist political party. Struggling for fourth is the National Front, the violent and fascist 1970s throwback. Next to the Miss Great Britain party in hot pursuit, a political party comprised entirely of women who have placed in Miss Great Britain beauty contests. Their tagline is, make Britain sexy, not sleazy. Next was independent Jill Soward, a sexual violence activist and the first rape victim in Britain to waive their right to anonymity. She used her platform to criticise Davis for being silent on sexual violence during his term as Home Secretary. Then Mad Cowgirl from Monster Raving Looney Party. Her day job was working as a nurse in an intensive care unit in Sunderland. Despite the Looney Party normally being fairly politically neutral, she actually was in favour of Labour's increased police detention powers and ran on a platform of allowing the police to detain anyone for any reason for an infinite amount of time. 
That sounds like I'm joking, but actually she did genuinely agree with the policy and genuinely run on that platform. She died just under two years after the election, like two days under two years. Then three more independents, then the new party, a Eurosceptic neoliberal party, next to David Icke, who wasn't even listed as an independent, just a person, there's no policies, no party, just David Icke. He gave no information beyond his name because he said, I'm not a politician, uh, which is true. Still got over 100 votes though. Then Hamish Howitt, an ex-landlord who lost his pub because he wouldn't obey the smoking ban, then became a politician to get the smoking ban overturned so he could get his pub back. 91 votes. Socialist Equality, a trot party, 84 votes. Then another independent candidate, then the Christian Party, the Church of the Militant Elvis, an Elvis-themed anti-corporatist party. Then three more independents, including Eamon Fitzpatrick, who shut down his market stall in Northampton for a month to stand in favour of the 42-day detention policy. Then a candidate for Make Politicians History, a political party that wants to abolish Parliament and transform the country into devolved city-states. Then five more independents, including Tony Farnan, who campaigned entirely based around his anti-smoking programme called Winners Freedom Secrets and Norman Scarth, who ran on a platform of being anti-crime, despite having spent the previous six years in prison for attacking a bailiff with a chainsaw. Eight votes. And that was how I was introduced to the British electoral system. What do you, what do you think is the most right-wing thing you've enjoyed? So we're trying to get away from, like, jokey right-wing stuff to actual ideologically right-wing. Do you know what? Like etiquette norms. <laughs> <laughs> like Curb Your Enthusiasm style. Um... Oh, what? You mean like uh, George Costanza minutiae? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. I mean like, I think it has Because been I'm helpful. all in on that shit. <laughs> I don't mean like super weird, like hyper-specific what exactly you're supposed to do in the circumstances. I mean, I think I've benefited someone who's been like socially awkward and can be a bit weird at times mm. for there to be an instruction manual to be like, and then just say thank you or, you know, if this person's a bit older and an older generation, ask if you can leave the table before you leave the table and they'll think kindly towards you. Or mm. I mean, I was grew up in like sort of an Irish, a Birmingham Irish Catholic community. Mm. So there were times where like, where I just do hacks of like, uh, offer to wash up where you're at a friend's mom's house. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you never wash up, but like, it's like a hack mm. to be like, mm. oh, they're a nice boy. Yeah. And then never once they're like, yeah, go on then. Yeah. You can wash up. Because you're going to do it fucking shit. Yeah, I'm not going to. I can't. The, the you're a teen boy. I, I won't know to put the glasses in first, and they'll come oh. in later, and they'll have a film on from the plates. Yeah. I'll fuck it up big time. But something about that I quite like. And I know that there's a right reactionary thing of, like, norm. And they didn't call it norms, but they call about, like, the good old days where everyone, where life was just kind of simpler and less confusing. And there's part of me which likes etiquette norms to the point where I'm like, I get sort of where you're coming from in that, you can sort of hack your way through life by just saying the right phrases in the right order. Yeah, right. I think I've got a similar thing. Yeah. Fucking hate littering. Yeah. Do you know what? Littering. Though? If I see littering, like willful, flagrant littering. Yeah. Ooh, sends me under. At the same time, seeing, a, you know, a photo of Michael Gove with a litter picker. Yeah. Saying clean like, get for the queen. clean for the queen Love or whatever. Clean for the queen. You know, that makes me turn purple with mm -hmm. rage. But, but but at the same time, I, I think, you know, I see littering mm -hmm. and I can feel myself get annoyed at it. Oh, fuck it. I don't, I don't, do you know what I wouldn't yeah. do? I do not have the, 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 uh, grumpy prickness 
to be like, to excuse me, do you know who dropped yeah. that? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. What I have done is picked up someone else's litter mm. and put it in the bin, sometimes carrying it for some distance. As I get older, I, I have a massive respect for scolds. Do you know people who... Yes, yeah, yeah. I can't do it. But I, I kind of feel like... My immediate reaction to that is always Tory because it's someone telling someone else. Mm. It's like a Tory, like. But increasingly, I'm like, yeah. But then a scold. So we're going back to the same thing, right? Because uh, I, I like, so it's I like, like norms, right? It's and enforcing you, norms, and yeah. you like the enforcement of norms. And you can make arguments from like I think the uh, right right reactionary thing is like, oh, it's immigrants coming here. And I'm not allowed to just say my normal things in case it makes someone sad that I don't even understand. Mm. But you can also make the thing of like. Well, actually, you can have social norms, but actually capitalism is eroding a lot of norms because we don't live the lifestyles that we'd like to live. And so everyone's sort of precarious and everyone then gets anxious. So the idea that we can have communities based around shared behaviours that we all understand is just completely eroded. Yeah. But at the very least, it's, if anything, you know, that's the hands across the aisle, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we all want norms. Yeah, yeah. We all want please and thank yous. I'm up for please and thank you. Is that Tory? Please and thank you. Please and thank Well, I, feel, I just feel like um, my my anti-authoritarian streak is like, don't fucking tell me what's... You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, and, and I don't want to be telling... You know, some people might have, like, different norms well, or some here, shit. I'd, like, I don't want... Some people might be being polite by their norms and not be adhering to... Do you know what, Like, so I'm like... It's not... Yeah, it and feels like people not, are going to have, like, neurotypical behaviors that don't fit into norms and and can feel yeah, it's not inclusive so if you're gonna it's not inclusive is what i'm saying so then it well, feels then it feels reactionary okay so so a model of norms that i quite like to think about because this has already occurred to me mm. of if norms are, are inclusive and can't include other cultures and other brains mm. and you know all the manner of things and cultures that can make people behave in different ways that can't be molded into this one thing because then that starts to sound like fascistic yeah right? yeah yeah is that if you think of norms in a more broad sense of like, do you know, in the good old days, there were loads of situations where you don't have to like think or hyper-individuate what you're going to do. Mm. You can go and do this kind of job because you work in this area and you know how to talk to people because there is like a monoculture mm. that's around. Mm. It means there's kind of a slipstream that you can fall in into the mainstream of society where you don't have to hyper-individuate yourself and go, this is how I behave and this is how I talk. Mm. You can just be like... These kind of things have been handed to me and I can just participate in them without having yeah. to like fully think about them. And if you had an open-minded society that still had like a mainstream slipstream culture, which is like you could go and work in this kind of job and do this kind of thing and that's just there for you if you want it, or you could go and do this other kind of thing. Mm. It's that there's like it's just like an opt-in, easy way around the world, which is you're not punished for not participating, but you can just participate that if if you want to. You can talk in this way, and there can be all these etiquette norms if you want to participate in it. It's just that, that there's no punishment for not. Yeah. Do you know? I yeah, don't... I think that's for, I think that's reasonable. I mean, I'm not. I haven't got a fucking blueprint for it. I mean, I don't, I don't even fully understood what I've said. But yeah, you're talking like, about. Yeah, you can have a set of you can have a set of norms and have accommodations in it. Yeah, like that would be good. Because the difference be between thing. norms and conventions. Because an idea of what a convention is is that if people stop following it, mm. it stops working. A convention is more like we all need to decide which way we drive on the road, mm. and if one person starts driving the other way, that fucks it, right? Mm. Conventions are things where we all agree to do the same thing. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it goes bad. And I worry etiquettes like that because if etiquette is like this is how you show you're polite the mm. absence of that 
can naturally be interpreted as uh, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Well, I try to think like what's closer to what we do now that's a more idealized system, which is as long as you show that you're grateful for mm. something I've done, like to, just talking about being thanked, right? Mm. You can show me in, in a number of ways that you're grateful for what I've done. Or if you do have something up, which means you're going to forget or are not able to do that, then as long as I'm aware of that, then there's no problem here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is an issue, I guess, a micro, like a, an issue in terms of you need to make me aware of something in order for me not to take offence at you actually behaving neutrally. But then part of courtesy is like trying to be conscious of... Who you have the, to accommodate. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like trying to make inferences from... Which I think isn't always easy, but... Norms are useful. Norms just make very complicated social situations accessible. Mm. And they let you glide through things that would be hyper-complicated to explain how you're feeling and how the meal that you ate made you feel nourished and you have gratitude. No, we've got a shortcut password for that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, that's a really, like, super basic example. But, like, that goes around all kinds of stuff about, you know, don't ring someone on their phone after 10 o'clock. You learn all these rules growing up look at it conversely normlessness is Mm. a cornerstone of alienation Mm. so to have norms allows you to have a level of understanding of what you can do without being rudderless in society yeah well and there's norms there's norms of the left you know don't scab yeah don't walk across a picket line that's a norm right that's a norm yeah so this is where norms becomes like collective action solidarity community the like norms ends up cementing all of these things because solidarity doesn't come from Every single time there's collective action, you've got to convince every single member. Yes. Collective action becomes easy and possible when someone calls a strike and people don't even think about it. Yeah. They go, this is obviously what we do. Are you aware of things like um, uh, farmers' auctions Mm. and how people, like, stop their land being bought out from hostile takeovers? What do they do? Oh, so, like, a lot of the time in these communities, because farming is not uh, a great industry at the moment, Mm. farmers can go bankrupt and they can forfeit on their on their property on their farm yeah 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 and a lot of the time if no one wants to buy the land it just goes out to an auction but then all the farmers bandy together and Mm. go we're going to buy it for one pound and we're just going to give it back to the guy Mm. now sometimes this is like enforced by like intimidation of anyone who'd think about actually Mm. trying to drive that price up we're selling it for one pound and we're giving it back to the guy because if any of this happened to us we're yeah, going to yeah. buy it for one pound and we're going to give it back to the guy. Fucking hell. And it gets to the point where that's just a tradition now. That, like, you don't need to think about that. Again, Farmer I think some of, it, some of it is held up by intimidation of anyone yeah, yeah, who yeah, wouldn't yeah, do yeah. it. But so what? <laughs> <laughs> norms. Yeah, norms. Mandatory Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Evans. Our title theme was created by Ella Jean, with additional music by Kawi. If you're going to support us, please leave a review on iTunes, say a kind word online, or promise me, promise me that you will stop touching your face. <laughs>